My name is Quentin Hunt, and I'm an ally. Hi, my name is Scott Braithwaite, and I'm an ally. Hi, I'm Michelle. I have a gay son, and I am an LGBTQ ally. My name is Nathan Zuniga, and I am gay, and I am also an ally. Hi, my name is Maggie Mika, and I'm an ally. Hi, my name is Savannah Hess, and I am also an ally. And, and welcome, welcome to our, our podcast, Why I Am an Ally, Breaking Barriers One Person at a Time. We are seniors at Brigham Young University, and we've been working on this four-part podcast for our final project in our gender development class, and we're so excited to share this with you. To give a little context, during the last few months, we have been interviewing individuals that we view as role models of what it looks like to be an ally to those in the LGBTQ community. Now, for those of you who are listening, LGBTQ stands for lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, and queer. Um, we wanted to focus on them and we also wanted to focus on those in the LGBTQ community that are also involved in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. This is a subject that we are both incredibly passionate about because we've seen in our personal lives moments where others could have chosen to act as an ally, but didn't. And we've also seen times where members of the church have risen up to the occasion and have shown Christ-like love to our sisters and brothers in the LGBTQ community. We fully recognize that four episodes are not going to change everyone's perspective but we're trying to break the barriers of allyship one person at a time. We hope you enjoy our podcast. Welcome. Throughout this series, we're going to be heeding the Lord's counsel given in the Doctrine and Covenants, section 88. It states, Seek ye diligently and teach one another words of wisdom, Yea, seek out the best books of wisdom. Seek learning, even by study and also by faith. In this podcast, we are going to, going to learn by study and faith throughout our interview with Professor Quentin Hunt, an associate professor at Brigham Young University in the School of Family Life. He is also in the Marriage and Family Therapy Program. We love meeting with Professor Hunt and got a deeper look into his research of suicide ideation and behavior and other mental health concerns among current and former transgender members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. First, we just want to say that there are so many things that we simply do not know about when it comes to transgender individuals and their personal and valid experiences. So keep your mind and heart open and seek a little bit of learning today. Before we dive into the interview, we wanted to share some information that we have learned throughout our gender development course this semester. According to the European Society of Endocrinology in their study from 2018 called, Transgender Brains Are More Like Their Desired Gender from an Early age, they did an MRI scan of 160 transgender youth indicated that brain activity and structure of transgender adult adolescents were more closely resembled than typical patterns of their gender identity than that of their natal sex. 
The definition of natal sex refers to the biological sex you are assigned at birth. Professor Hunt shares a little bit about this process of the prenatal development sexual characteristics and hormonal floods that occurs throughout pregnancy. The first hormonal flood forms the primary sex characteristics, which includes a penis for a boy and a vagina for girls. The second hormonal flood influences the gender characteristics of the brain. So genetically, someone may have XY chromosome, meaning they are biological males, but have brain activities that mirror that of a female. This topic of study is generally new in the family sciences, but are helpful in our quest to seek learning and understanding for those who have may be having experiences that are different than ours. We have learned a lot from Professor Hunt about ways we can improve our allyship to those in the LGBTQ community and hope you will too. So now sit back and enjoy our interview with Professor Quentin Hunt. Um, thank you, Dr. Hunt, for doing this podcast with us. Um, the first question we want to ask is, what inspired your work with the LGBTQ plus community in regards to the LDS culture? It's a bit of a process um, and a journey that, that led me to, to working with the queer community uh, and the LDS community at that intersection. Um, but ultimately, it comes down to um, I've been studying and clinically working with suicide for about 10 years or so. Um, and I started having, and some of my mentors, we noticed we were having a uh, shocking number of queer and trans kids um, seeking therapy um, that were suicidal. I mean, like 30 to 50% of the cases that we were seeing, which is disproportionate. And this was in Philadelphia. And we thought, hey, we need to we need to do more to understand what's going on. And as I was starting to to understand more of of the intersections of suicide and the queer community, I started to look at myself being a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter Day Saints, and some of the beliefs that we have and things that happen in our culture. And then ultimately, then I came to BYU when. It's even more prevalent, uh, the culture here. Mm-hmm. So understanding that, that's, I think that kind of describes like how the process happened. Um, as far as why I care, was that part of this question? Yes. Why I care, well, frankly, um, I've always cared about underserved populations and underdogs, like even as a child. Uh, <laughs> equality. Is something that I used to like fight with my parents about as a child, um, and get angry about when I when I see things that are unequitable. Um, when I was at BYU as a student, um, 
almost 20 years ago, um, I felt how unequitable it was at times. Um, and so like I said, I've always cared, but specifically I've always cared about uh, the queer community um, because I think it's really hard to be queer in the LDS church. So much of our doctrine is about marriage and having children. And if that can't easily be done or as easily be done, um, there's a lot of things that it says about you. And frankly, there's a lot of things that people in our community say, like sometimes someone I interviewed just the other day, their state president said, if you have a transgender kid, you need to kick them out of the house and never let them engage with your other children so they don't infect your other children. Um, wow, that's horrible. Yeah, so things like that's why I care. I think that's on the extreme end of, of rareness, but um, my belief and our doctrine of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints is to love people and to help them feel God's love. And specifically, this really relates to my research interests, that parents, it is their divine responsibility to love, protect, and teach their children how to be good people and how to love other people, even if it's difficult to love them. That is awesome. Yes. I love that. That's like the root of, of what you are trying to find. Um, so your research is focused on the queer community and the and the. Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. So um, what are some of your research's findings so far that you feel would be beneficial for, you know, a general public to understand to improve, you know, their perceptions as well as hopefully motivate them to be good people? General public or like an LDS general public? LDS general public. LDS general public, I think that the first thing that I will just say is uh, it is very easy to feel like you don't matter if nobody ever talks about you or if the only time that people talk about you as if you are a mistake. And I think that it's very important that we as the LDS community as a whole, recognize that there's a lot of diversity within our culture, within our members. Um, not just I'm, I'm not just talking about race and gender, mm -hmm. uh, but also sexual orientation, gender identity. Um, you may think that you don't know any queer or trans folk, but if you know 100 people, you probably know about 10. Mm -hmm. um, actually, I mean, there's a study that just came out that shows 13% of BYU students identify somewhere in the queer community. So if you know 100 people, you know about 13. Mm -hmm. uh, just going with that. So you, you may think that you don't know, but you probably do. Mm -hmm. um, every ward has some people that are, that are queer or even trans. Uh, and if you don't know, it's just because they're not out to you. Yeah. What has been your personal journey of becoming 
an ally in all aspects of your life as an individual friend? Well, um, I, I think I've kind of... You mentioned a lot of Kind of mentioned right? before that I've kind of always been an ally. Mm -hmm. um, and I've kind of pretty consistently for most of my life been an ally um, for the queer community in regards to sexuality. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, some of, the, some of that goes to my own questions of my own sexuality and how, how, how I felt um, unaccepted in places. Um, and that's coming even as a dude that identifies as straight, yeah. which is someone that at times questioned. Um, but I, I think there's a, a much better journey that I could talk about as far as um, being an ally to the trans community. Um, I honestly, I just didn't know what to think for a long time. But I was involved in a research project um, as a PhD student where they had interviewed trans youth about their experiences. And this kid um, was trans and a believing member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints talked about how they believed in heaven, their gender, they believe they were born and the gender was the wrong body. So their, their sex this that was assigned to birth doesn't match the gender that they identify with. Mm -hmm. And they believed that in heaven, that would no longer be the case. And they were suicidal because they wanted to kill themselves because they said in heaven, I know I'm not going to have a penis. Whereas here on earth I do. And it kind of blew my mind because if gender is an eternal aspect of our identity and you believe that, and you believe that there was a mismatch or a mistake that happened when you were born into this earthly body, which frankly happens all the time, that people are born with extra fingers or missing fingers or birth defects of some sort. Because um, really, don't know how much you know, all fetuses start as female yep. and then some develop into male fetuses um, based on the hormones and things that they're exposed to in utero. If something were to happen and go awry in that hormone wash um, that happens, it easily, something could change and not go according to plan. And if that were the case, how could you not want to kill yourself? Yeah. If your soul didn't match your body. Um, I'm not saying that it does happen. I'm just saying that there is a possibility. And if there's the possibility, um, I think that's all. That's as far as we need to go to admit that there's a possibility. And I don't. I don't think that. <clears throat> I don't think that anybody can know if you're if somebody's trans or not. I think that's personal revelation. Um, that's a your body, your autonomy, your body autonomy thing. Um, but if it's possible that somebody is. I think the best thing we can do is support them and help them to feel their savior's love. Um, Cause that's part of being trans or in any marginalized community is it's harder to feel loved and accepted. So whatever marginalized community is, I think that it is our job as believing members of the church to help any marginalized person to feel the savior's love, which frankly is what the savior did throughout his ministry. Exactly. This is one biggest commandment is love others as I have loved you. And I think that's our kind of our biggest message that we want to give to people that regardless if you're LDS or 
you know, a member of any society that they are a human being just like we are. And there are no different as a person. We're not here to judge them because the minute you didn't know what they, you didn't know that they were LGBT as you were talking. And then the same person as you found out and they deserve love, respect and compassion just for being them and nothing has changed. So with this, uh, of being an incredible ally in your professional field, how does that translate to like your local church community? Um, because I'm sure, you know, sometimes I feel anytime we have this knowledge of learning things by study, uh, it's so easy for us to go and, and bear testimony of these things that we find um, and kind of fall on deaf ears. Um, so what are some things that you've done to try to help people in, in like your local community to help in their understanding or just in, in aiding in their ability to, to become more aware of this important reality? That's a good question. I think that a number, like, like you said, there's a number of things that you can do that, that may fall on deaf ears. People aren't interested, don't want to hear. Mm -hmm. um, I, think, I think in fairness, a lot of people don't hear because it doesn't, they don't know if it replies to them. Um, I, I, but I will say, you know, when you use inclusive language, um, the people that it matters to hear it. Mm -hmm. The people that it doesn't matter to don't even notice. Mm -hmm. When <clears throat> you, bear your testimony of, of things that are important and, and matter to queer folk or marginalized folks, uh, I, I guarantee that they hear it. Um, I, I think that's one of, one of the complaints I hear frequently in my research is um, we'd like to be addressed um, and, and treated like we're also here. Mm -hmm. And I think that's one of the things that we can do. Like, if we talk about, if we talk about um, only stereotypical experiences, you're only talking about the stereotypical experience. Um, so when we use examples, you can diversify it a little bit. Um, I mean, I, I don't. I'm not. I'm not sure if I believe Facebook activism really does anything. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, I think there's it's some important. It kind of you know slack we call it slacktivism. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure that does a ton, um, but I think it's important to me um, at BYU at times to wear um, whether it's wearing a pin that shows support or a shirt that shows support or hanging a flag outside my office. Um, but I also think that. Uh, I don't know. I don't know how to do it in, in, in all areas of my life or at church sometimes. Um, like when I teach a lesson, I, I make sure that my lesson is very doctrinally sound and 
and inclusive. And I think that that matters to people that that hear it. Mm -hmm. Again, and the people that, that it doesn't matter to don't even notice. Mm -hmm. so. Can you give like a quick example of what that balance would be? Balance of? Well, just like the doctrinally sound and gotcha. like. Mm. So and one of the things that comes to my mind is like uh, a doctrinal or a gospel doctrine uh, class that I taught for for a while. Um, like one of the things that I had people do is like, how do you how do you show, ask them? And it was actually one of the questions that was that was in the in the manual. Mm -hmm. But we spent most of our lesson about it was how do you show love to people that believe differently than you and actually people were people were kind of uncomfortable with it because it wasn't an easy answer mm -hmm. and there are some people that claimed they didn't know anybody that believes differently than them and i think that's not true okay. or have they been under, under a rock <laughs> yeah <laughs> um but you know and then so then we and then so then i give some examples like okay what about somebody that believes differently as far as religion, I mean, it's a simple way. Mm -hmm. What about somebody that is in a, you know, same-sex relationship? They believe they may believe differently than you. How do you show them that you love them? What if they're your child? Mm -hmm. How do you show them that you love them? Okay. What if it's your parent? What if it's your friend? Um, so that would be one way. But, but I. And truth be told, I didn't only use same-sex relationships as an example. Right, yeah. Um, that'd be one way. So it's an example of something that I, that I would show. I think you also show it implicitly. You kind of live it. I've known you for... Live it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, you are... I've known you for a while now. And I think you just live it. Like, you don't say anything negative about that group you don't you know you're always very positive including and um use the proper terms which i think is also very important for that community and not um pronouns and stuff is very important and i know that you do that and so i think that's another way to help become a um an advocate for people is what you have taught us is to respect them in their pronouns and use the proper language. Yeah. So to follow up on that question here, one of the things that sticks out to me, this actually, I, I take it from the uh, first presidency press conference when President Nelson Oaks and uh, Irene was announced uh -huh. a couple of years ago. And the reporter asked them a question, like, how, how are you gonna address like, you know, LGBTQ members and I believe it was Elder Oaks who, who said something like, the most important factor is not that you are gay or straight or black or white. It's the most important aspect of your identity is that you're a child of God. And if you really believe that that is the most important aspect of somebody's identity, it doesn't matter if they're gay or straight or married or single mm -hmm. or a sinner or a saint or a smoker or not smoker that doesn't matter. What matters about them is that they're a child of God and therefore worthy of love. And so that is something that I really take to heart and try to like show in everything that I do, that it is that you are worthy of love as a human being, 
because you are a child of God, not because of the way you believe or the way you dress or what's in your pants. Um, but you are worthy of love because you are a divine being that is a child of our Heavenly Father. I really love that. I love that. It's an important core. And our final question is, what advice do you have for others? I know you mentioned a lot already. Um, to begin their allyship or to strengthen or and then a kind of follow-up question is, what advice do you have for someone that is LGBTQ+, that is not out yet? Um, what resources would you recommend? Okay, to folks that, that are, you know, not allies, trying to become an ally, want to be an ally, I would say... If it's hard for you to love somebody or some group of people, I think that that is a group of people that you need to learn to love. I imagine it was hard for Jesus to love the people that crucified him. If he had some human reaction, uh, I, I would have a hard time with that. But our greatest example showed love to the people that frankly killed him because they didn't believe him. And disagreed with him. I think that if that we need to learn, we need to love and show love, even the people that it's difficult to love. And frankly, I think that's the 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 biblical uh, admonition that we have to do good unto those that like use us and despitefully you abuse us. I always get that quote mixed up, like. It's something along those lines. Despitefully use you. Despitefully you use you, but you we are commanded, we're right. told to love even those people. Um, that's when it's difficult. And I believe uh, very, very strongly that that is when we understand God's love for us the best. Um, as far as to somebody that's not out, you're not alone. There are lots of resources out there for you um, the internet is a beautiful wonderful thing for that um, even if you are in the middle of nowhere <laughs> nevada that the, there are resources that you can they can access um but you are also god's child and he loves and he cares about you Thank you. Thank you for your time and our, our discussion. Um, we appreciate all that you said. We learned a lot and appreciate it, Dr. Hunt. You're welcome. Any last words? Anything that you feel is important to be touched on that maybe we didn't ask about that you'd like to share? I don't know, just in case we missed anything. One of the best things that we can do to prevent suicide in our queer youth is to show them we love them acceptance um you don't have to agree with them you don't have to set them up on dates um you just have to bash them over the head with how much you love them okay. so it is impossible to misunderstand because at times when you are when you feel marginalized it's not easy to understand We 
we hope you enjoyed our interview with Professor Hunt. Uh, we really enjoyed learning from him. Uh, and before we go, we just wanted to go over a few takeaways that we hope you were able to catch on to as, as we learned from Professor Hunt. Number one, it's really easy to feel like you don't matter if nobody ever talks about you. Uh, we need to talk about these things. We need to make sure that we are using correct pronouns uh, and be able to share the things that we know and use that inclusive language in our church meetings and just in our lives. Uh, I promised, along with Professor Hunt, uh, those in the LGBTQ community, they notice and they appreciate it. Uh, and I, we promise that you'll never regret being kind um, to someone regarding something that is so personal and sacred uh, about them. The best thing we can do to support those in the LGBTQ community, specifically uh, for those in the transgender community, is to help them feel of our Savior's love. That's our job. I love how uh, Professor Hunt said that, that that's our job. Um, most importantly, you are a child of God. Uh, and because of that, you are worthy of love as a human being and as a child of God with infinite and divine potential. Uh, you deserve to feel loved both in uh, and out of the LGBTQ community. Everybody wants to feel like they belong somewhere. And if you could be a part of helping somebody feel that belonging, that would be so incredible. The resources that are available to you um, range on so many things. There are different podcasts that we'll go over throughout this uh, throughout this series. But overall, we want you to know that you are the resource. You are the ally. Uh, the, the question no longer is if you should be an ally, but how you can improve your allyship. Um, because we all know people in the LGBTQ community, whether we recognize it or not, uh, you do know somebody. They may just not be out to you. Uh, so be an ally. Be an ally on social media and outside of social media. These small and simple things really do bring about great things. Um, consider how you interact with those who don't believe the same things you do. Christ told us to love one another. And we're gonna hear that time and time again throughout this series, but it's just important for us to take the time to love and to listen. Um, and we're glad that you took some time to listen with us today. And we'll see you next time on Why I'm an Ally, Breaking Barriers One Person at a Time. And we'll see you later.